0: The deal of family a podcast that's tommy b i'm the sfd this is a super flex super show and here we go on day one of 2024 we're we're back from the abyss uh all of our uh, technical difficulties taken care of um sorry for abandoning you guys like that hopefully <laughs> Hopefully you've, you were probably better off. If we're being honest, Tommy, like we probably got out of the way so people could take down some fantasy championships the last yeah. time.
1: I, I feel like we, we got y'all to the water and now it was just time for you to savor that sweet drink that was your yeah. championship matchups. Hopefully you took some home. Um, how'd you do in the playoffs, John?
0: I did not do well. Uh well you know what the the few leagues where I actually got to the to the playoffs I did just fine um, but is in terms of actually getting to the playoffs it was a struggle this year for some yeah. reason uh, yeah
1: it was a weird year I, I feel like you had to be really nimble this year in how you managed your roster um, and then the quarterback position itself was kind of odd there were ebbs and flows throughout the season to where the QB 24 didn't look that different from the QB four. Finally, the elite QBs separated a little bit towards the end, um, but they really let you down on championship week as well. The top 12 quarterbacks are all no names. I mean, just a weird year in general. Um, I managed to do okay. I did fine. Um, But I'm ready for, for turning the page, looking forward for me it's orphan season. I know for a lot of folks they're excited about startup drafts, but I'm excited to take on some of the the dented cans that are your the husks of your old rosters. Um and and see what I can do with them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's always uh it's it's fun. It's a very different challenge. So yeah. like it, yeah, I always just kind of like a mix, you know. Um let's uh let's rebuild some of my own rosters. Let's uh, retool some, some of my contenders. Let's, uh, you know, or just reload a little bit. Let's uh, um, let's, let's fire up some startups and let's take on some orphans and uh, just kind of have very different puzzles all over the place that we can solve.
1: Yeah. That's part of it. It's just like, if you're not taking on orphans, if you're not doing startups, if you're not taking stock in your own existing leagues, you're missing out on portions of the dynasty market. Um, I know when I take on new teams, they don't look anything like I would envision them to be. And so that's how I play in that dynasty trade market of having 14 wide receivers and learning to consolidate them for the 2024 season. That way I can speak intelligently on that. It's, It's a matter of finding things that are different and seeing what the league dynamics are with those different pieces. That way you're not stuck with the same 25 or 30 assets across every league.
0: Yeah, totally. So uh, I, I feel like there we're going to have tons of opportunities to talk about uh you know ha- moving forward with orphans, moving forward with startups. Um we ha- we'll talk about rookies, yes. Uh, I don't you know I don't want to you know full well that I don't want to be talking about rookies until until they're on NFL rosters, but we also know that you want to hear about them. So we're going to talk about them plenty of time for all of that. Feel like we have a little bit of an opportunity though, to look back a little bit on the season that, that was, and, you know, kind of refine processes a little bit. I, I always, I always wonder, I always have a hard time with this part. Like when an analyst, uh, you know, first of all, the victory lapping I think is just completely pointless and completely useless to people. Um, but things like, uh, you know, like owning your L's is something that this community loves to do. They love to, um, to be above board, be be transparent, and say, you know what, I got this thing wrong. I I thought this was going to happen, and I was wrong. And like. On one hand, you know, that like that's admirable to admit that you don't always get everything right because none of us does. You know, we're we're typically lucky to hit 50 percent. But on the other hand, do you really want to hear like all of the ways that we were wrong? Like, did that (laughs) actually do anything for you? Because. In a lot of cases, it you know, either you know, maybe, maybe you just disagreed with us and you got that right, and you're like, Yeah, I know you were wrong, and that's why I didn't listen to you on that, and that's why I've got a fantasy championship. Or you followed our advice and here we are saying, Oh yeah, I got that wrong. You're like, Oh, thanks a ton. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> got that very wrong, and it cost me a ton of money. <laughs> so I I I never know for sure, you know, what uh, like what people actually like. Do they want they do they want us to acknowledge that we got some stuff wrong? Because, man, I got a lot wrong. I, I I mean, I this entire season,
1: the stupid decision to tout Najee Harris in one of the very early season episodes as a possible RB1 overall has bothered me for 18 weeks now. And so if I'm gonna self-flagellate at all, it's there. Like I got that one wrong, y'all. Like he had the draft capital. I'm gonna make a bunch of excuses potentially. Like <laughs> I had a process behind it and I was wrong. Like we we can we can certainly own those L's if we want to. Um I made more than just a Najee Harris mistake. Um, but at least if you did start him in the championship week, he paid off to a 20 plus point performance. Um, so there is a little bit of a rainbow at the end of that rain cloud. Um, do you, do you want to mention just one or two of your, your L's and then we can move on?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I, like, I think we can stay at the, at the running back position for sure. Like I thought it would be JK Dobbins, possibly Nick Chubb. Those were guys I talked about. I had talked about Travis Etienne a fair amount throughout the offseason, which that one was decent, at least. Like he he probably he probably won a few rings. But you know, like I mean Dobbins was just he helped you win week one, and then that was it. Um Nick Chubb at least got you what three weeks. So Um, and you know, it's like, it's a little bit different when we talk about injuries. So kind of the one that I think I would want to own is Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I expected a massive, massive breakout. And not only that, I stuck with it throughout the entire season saying, all right, well, he's the last, you know, the first two seasons of his career, he was a second half quarterback. So, you know, it like you, you've held on this long now comes, you know, the, the big breakthrough, um, that makes it all worthwhile and that, and it still didn't come, you know? So like, that's the type of thing that I think that we should focus on, um, you know, stuff where, uh, in, you know, Najee Harris could be a very good example too, because he stayed healthy mm-hmm. uh, the, and he even had some pretty decent weeks in the middle of the season. So, you know, we can kind of look at it and say, "All right, so what was wrong with the process on Najee Harris? What was wrong with the process on Trevor Lawrence?" I can claim, I I can tell you that I got it wrong on J.K. Dobbins, but I mean, I couldn't predict an injury. It's so it's not going to change my process. You know, I'm still going to look at running backs the exact same way. This the stuff that I feel like we really need to talk about. It's it's Trevor Lawrence, and you know what? Back to the running back position, we should probably talk about Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Why yep. was he not on our radar as running back one? <laughs> he he
1: and Josh Jacobs were my final choice. Thankfully, I I was uh, not not making any bold stances there. At least um, where I got Najee Harris wrong was a failure to recognize the inefficiencies and ineptitude of the offense as a whole. Um, Najee Harris, the football player, is not an elite running back. However, he is elite in certain categories. He's huge, and he's extremely durable. And my assumption was that somebody who has a pass-catching history, which he did in his rookie year where he had something like 80 or 90 receptions, combined with a potential workhorse role yet again would have that Josh Jacobs effect that occurred last year to where you combine the two, you get this great performance from a middle-aged running back, you sell high into the next offseason, and you find the next one. Where I was wrong was the quarterback position to start. Kenny Pickett was just Mm god-awful. He did not create a competent passing game. And because of that, there were were not enough end zone looks. So that was one failure, a failure of touchdowns. The other one, I underestimated his backup running back and the situation there. I was wrong in that I was assuming Mike Tomlin would do what he had done in previous years, which was use a workhorse running back, give them 350 to 400 touches, and just wear them out as many carries and touches as they could get. That didn't happen this year. It was a split backfield. And because of that, the aggregation effect of Najee Harris was not reliable, um, at least from a peak standpoint. And so those, those factors contributed to just a giant L for me. However, would I buy Najee Harris at his current market price? I probably would because all of those elements are still there. He's a plotter, I don't care. Um he's a he's a reasonably good running back and at his current market price I may be suckered into doing this again next year.
0: <laughs> well, and it's one thing to get suckered into doing it with Najee Harris again. Um you know, because the situation's going to change. They they might they they very easily could change quarterbacks. Um and that could make a pretty big difference uh kind of depending on who it is it can make a huge difference you know so like we can you know it's you can definitely tell a story with Najee Harris and it's going to be a very different um it's going to be a different situation just because the you know the acquisition cost is going to be significantly lower this time so it's easier to take a shot with him yeah um so you know that that one makes sense. What I what I wonder though is who is next year's Najee Harris? Who's the guy that we're going to be looking at? as, you know he he fits all the criteria, and then we look back on it and say, oh man, like th- like that offense was never going to support a, a high end running back. One, um, you know, the, he was it, it, like he had somebody behind him who was you know. B- you know, destined to take on a bigger workload and cut into his work. I, you know, and I mean, just kind of off the top of my head, I wonder about Josh Jacobs. Mm -hmm. Zamir White has looked explosive uh, in relief of Josh Jacobs. That offense, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback at this point. I I can't imagine that they go into the season with Aiden O'Connell, but I mean, Half the teams in the league are going to change quarterbacks. So, like, who's available to you? You know, yeah. and how much of an upgrade are they really going to be?
1: Yeah, I love that one. I I, I also thought about Travis Etienne. Um, yeah, there's been That's... pretty heavy investment behind Travis Etienne, and it just hasn't worked so far. So Darius right. Johnson came in. Jamichael Hasty, Tank Bigsby was drafted fairly high. Um, they just haven't been able to supplant Travis Etienne, who has the same draft capital as a Najee Harris, that first round draft capital that we covet. We've seen similar receiving profiles. We've seen workhorse roles that feel potentially, um, you know, leading the league in touches at the running back position. So I could see Travis Etienne also being a, a vulnerable player at the running back position coming into next year. We just don't know yet, right? Like, the the running back class is supposed to be bad but there's a ton of free agent running backs coming into this this offseason this non-point scoring season as well and so i think there's going to be a lot of shakeup at the running back spot
0: yeah i think so too and like you know there there's some of these guys who are going to be on the move and i think it creates a little bit of an opportunity so like an example of this is tony pollard um, going into a, a free agent going into free agency here wherever he lands you want the backup <laughs> you know <like laughs> people are going to be way too into uh his talent quote-unquote talent and uh the the situation that he's in and this feels like another one of those where uh you know there's the there the there's not really enough um not really enough smoke for that to actually, uh, for that to actually work, you know. Yeah. What are you doing at the running back
1: position coming into the early point of the non non point scoring season? Trade deadlines are, you know, the restriction is up. You can make moves now. Let's say. Yeah. Are you trying to sell your running backs along with everyone else? Are you holding? Are you potentially buying with some of these nebulous situations, knowing some will clarify and become potentially great. And some of them, you know, are going to become a mess.
0: Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you and I had, you know, when we planned out this topic and we started saying, um, you know, we want, uh, we want to talk about things that we got wrong, um, things that, uh, you know, process wise, things we wanted to change, you know, there's some stuff in season, but there's some stuff just kind of, looking at the entire calendar this is one of them we talked about we started talking about this late late in the non-point scoring season how you know this time of year everybody will tell you don't buy running backs because uh you know their their situations can change way too much over the next few months their value is you know it it doesn't really have a way to increase and only has it can only decrease whatever whatever the the rationale ends up being we start talking about It was like if if everybody is convinced that this is the wrong time to acquire running backs guess what it's a perfect time to do
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I mean, I, you know, I think we can kind of zero in on some names. I think Rico Dowdle is going to be a, a huge buy because, um, I mean, he was the best running back in Dallas this season anyways, mm-hmm. and now you should be getting Tony Pollard out of the way. I think, you know, you talked about tank Bigsby and Dearness Johnson behind, uh, Travis Etienne. I, I kind of think tank Bigsby would probably be the most likely, um, to take that over talked about zamir white in vegas to me isaiah spiller is a huge buy right at the moment i i can't imagine austin eckler back in la next year there's just kind of no reason for it and he looks like he's carrying the piano on his back when he (laughs) runs anyways so
1: yeah Uh, it would be an ego hit if he stayed and so many of these professional athletes they're used to being God's gift to man because on a football field, they kind of are right. And when they lose a step, that's a really tough thing to come to terms with. So I'd be surprised if Eckler remained in LA. And so there's certainly an opening there. I think chase Brown with the Cincinnati Bengals is another option.
0: Yeah. That's,
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's just that backfield should be wide open this off season. We'll see if he can survive it. Um, and then Jaleel McLaughlin over mm-hmm. in Denver, just yep. a, a great complimentary player in that backfield where he's got really good speed and he's a great pass catcher. And that's what Denver needs, you know, regardless of the quarterback situation, that backfield has a has an opportunity to become near elite.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, another quarterback change that probably means a lot of turning and handing off, at least at first. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a that's a great one. And honestly, McLaughlin looked better than Javante Williams most of the season. So, um, uh, you know, I think uh, kind of at the high end, higher end, at least. Um, I don't think that people totally buy Kyron Williams is the elite running back that he seems to be. Um, And then Jerome Ford is another one. I I just, I have such a hard time imagining Nick Chubb coming back and, Mm. uh, and, you know, being, being able to take on any kind of workload if he comes back and plays at all, just after seeing that injury, I know it didn't end up being, you know, it, it, it didn't, take uh it didn't cause this structural damage that an injury like that typically causes but like it's that's still a lot to ask somebody to come back from both physically and mentally to me Jerome Ford is probably your your top running back in Cleveland and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that it's just people are going to have a hard time believing that a name like Nick Chubb could possibly be overshadowed by someone who came out of nowhere like Jerome Ford did. Yeah.
1: I'd love to see Nick Chubb go to like a LA Rams situation and play a complimentary role in that backfield. Because I think that as you know, we saw his, his leg buckled backward and it was pretty gruesome. I'm not going to bet on him returning. Um, but if he does, I I would hope it would be elsewhere. The Cleveland Browns are just kind of a shit show. Um, there's a Mm. cloud over that whole space. Like get out, man. Like you (laughs) used to be one of the best running backs of the NFL. This is your opportunity to get out. Um, but you mentioned Kyron Williams and the guy that I wanted to talk to you about today. I wrote a note in my notebook um, this afternoon. I got this wrong. I thought that the Tampa Bay backfield was going to shake out differently. I thought Rashad white was bad and I still kind of think he's bad. However, he's been a top five or six running back this season. And so that's another L that I need to sit with and understand where my process is failing me. And I think it's that I had a oversized belief in Sean Tucker. um, And I just didn't see it happening with the offensive line. They were playing poorly. They were a bad run offense. But it doesn't matter necessarily if a running back is bad, if they get enough volume and enough passes thrown their way. And so I think what I need to do is check my own ego a little bit and say just because I don't think this is a good football player, if they're getting enough volume, I need to respect that and maybe actually buy into it because others feel the same way that I do.
0: Yeah, that's a good one too, and and it it almost it begs the question a little bit. the The difference between Rashad White and Najee Harris was blank, and I mean draft capital. I think is probably part of it. Um, I'm with you. Like, I really liked Sean Tucker, but we probably should have, you know, at the same time, we should have been looking at Jalen Warren. Um, you know, in in kind of the same context, so. Like that, that's another interesting one to kind of look at, look at the process and see what, you know, because I'm, I was with you on that one. I didn't believe in Rashad white. I really liked Sean Tucker. So, um, why is it that we were out on Rashad white, but so in on Najee Harris, you know, <laughs> cause, cause there are a lot of similarities there. Yeah, um, totally. I
1: mean, for me, it was draft capital. Um, that that was the difference between the two. And I honestly thought the quarterback was better, which I was dead wrong there. But I want to focus on Sean Tucker for a second, because this is a profile that you and I both like, that the Debbie community liked, that the Dynasty community liked. He did nothing, right? Mm -hmm. That sounds a lot like Kyron Williams. I'm not saying that that is the likely outcome. What I'm asking you, John, is are you going to be more inclined to hold onto players at the running back position that have done absolutely nothing that you used to be in on because I dropped and traded away too much Kyron Williams last off season. Cause I had him everywhere mm-hmm. this, this year. I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to hold Sean Tucker, even though there isn't a lot there on an NFL football field that leads me to believe that I should be rostering him. I'm going to hold my priors at that $0 acquisition cost just for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it, I mean, You know, Scott Connor always says anyone on a 53 talking Mm -hmm. about talking about running backs, essentially saying a running back on an NFL roster is eventually going to get on the field, you know? So yeah, Sean Tucker is kind of that guy. Deuce Vaughn is like, that's one I talked about a lot seasonally. We're, we're right back to him. Mm -hmm. I, you know, especially now that that depth chart is getting a little bit shorter, so yeah, in the fact that you can get these guys cheap, knowing full well that the most likely scenario is they get on the field at some point and do something. Are they going to turn into Kyron Williams? Not necessarily, but they're going to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And sh- yeah, Sean Tucker is, is a great example of that. Yeah.
1: What are you doing with Kyron Williams? Let's say you have him. It's January.
0: I f- Man, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um because as good as he is, I've a, a hard time believing that this is gonna be just kind of a the next that twenty twenty four is just kind of a continuation. Mm-hmm. You know, and in fact what we do know, I and you know this this actually does kind of fall into a process uh, when it comes to running backs is that they they don't duplicate what they just did, um, particularly, you know, running back one. The problem is it's going to be Christian McCaffrey, uh, <laughs> and he has done this, like, a couple times before. So, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of – it's shooting holes in the process that otherwise has historically been correct um so Kyron Williams didn't do that so we don't have to say all right he doesn't have running back one overall upside because you know he he still has that upside because he hasn't reached that yet and hasn't reached that value yet um but man it's hard to it's it's really hard to trust any running back to like to duplicate a season like he just had you know Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. And I'm seeing his dynasty value really all over the place, somewhere over a future first in a super flex league. Um, and for me personally, I'm just I'm nowhere near there. And I don't know if I'm wrong or if the market is just having a bit too much recency bias. Um, and it, it'll self correct as we move into the sexy part of the non point scoring season where everyone wants a Jamar Chase laden roster. Um, Kyron Williams doesn't tick that box in my opinion and so I could see his value dipping this may be a good time to sell um, if you can and try to get one of these guys that we're talking about a tank Bigsby and a first you know if, if you can actually swing that if that's the true market value
0: that's where I'm headed is is his value right now is it a 20 like a, a 2024 first or is it like later um future like 2025 and beyond. Well,
1: I'm going to look it up right now, but I want to ask you, would you pay a 24 first? And would you pay, if no, would you pay a 25 first?
0: I think his value is somewhere in the first round of 2024. So I would give it any random 2025 first because, uh, you know, there's, (laughs) and this is, this is going to, this is going to become a very complicated branch of of strategy for us um because uh draft picks valuing them when you have them versus when you want them looks so so differently um at least it should you know buy them differently than you sell them but like you know when you already have the first uh, you know you you're trying to value the 25 first roughly the same as a 24 first when yeah you know but like the time value should still come into play particularly if you're trying to um if you're trying to uh to buy that future first right
1: totally i mean at the running back position specifically if i'm selling a running back for a first round pick give me that pick 2 years out yeah give that running back a chance to lose their legs, um, have something befall them that makes them no longer productive. Don't wish injury on anybody, but it just happens there. If I'm buying, I want to pay with the most immediate one that I can because I want to drive that pick down as far as I can, and running backs certainly help to do that. It looks like he's going for um, either a 24 or a 25 first with a couple of thirds or that equivalent type player added on right now.
0: So we're kind of looking at... Uh, well, I guess it it it's probably still showing up on the trade analyzer as like random twenty twenty four firsts. Yeah. Um. So I'd be really curious to see like now once we get uh those first round picks kind of slotted in to start seeing which picks exactly is he going for because to me, especially in a class where you don't have running backs coming in, I you know he, like he's top five. he should be worth a top five rookie pick to me. Um, You're not taking him over Caleb Williams, probably not taking him over, you know, Drake may or uh, um, Jaden Daniels. Like you're you're probably not doing that, but in Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to be a really tough sell. Um, So I won't go there just yet, but I'll say beyond those four players I think that you want Kyron Williams over the rest of the rookie class.
1: I think you're higher than me but I want to ask
0: you a question Sounds you like have, it,
1: right? <laughs> yeah you have Bryce Young on on one of your rosters. would yeah. you trade him for
0: Kyron Williams uh, I would like to yeah. yeah like on a if I had a, a QBX roster where I can afford to move off of Bryce Young. Um, and not cripple myself at quarterback I, like that. I, I would like to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But man, like that's like, it's, it's close enough in value that if Bryce Young is in your, your, you know, your top three, even top four quarterbacks, I don't think you can do it. It's interesting because he's such a, a hopper type of
1: quarterback where he's not ready to be used yet. You're still sort of breaking him in. He's, right. he's just in reserve right now. And right. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe halfway through next year, that's, that's about when these quarterbacks start to blossom is halfway through their second year. Yep. And so like, if you could just hold out for a bit longer, I think there's more value to be had on, on the quarterback side, the more rare profile side. Um, it was a shaky start this year he's been our next year this year by probably four or five times this season yeah because he was looking so bad (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) i know but he did look a little bit better over the last you know two or three weeks of the season um particularly once they got rid of frank reich uh it started looking better but um it is tough too because we know what type of situation the, the Carolina Panthers are in having traded their first round pick having traded DJ Moore like you don't have a great way of fixing you know the weapons and the protection for Bryce Young so um so you know i and, and but i i, ju- I think that's going to bog uh his value down for most people um you know just the fact that he was awful and we don't see, like, it, it. it's all very, very conceptual and very vague at that, very blurry at that. What is the path for him to, uh, you know, to, to get this thing turned around? And people are going to tell you, like, it's it's it can't happen. It's a poorly run franchise. They don't have the draft capital. They don't have the, you know, they like, they're not going to be able to, to attract the free agents, whatever it is, whatever the, uh, the knock is, I mean, they're going to tell you definitively, there's no way for Bryce young to turn this around. And to I me, that's,
1: I don't blame the Panthers for what they did. I know it's kind of fun and easy to make fun of them for it now, yeah. but we don't, we don't have great talent evaluation at the NFL level, much less, you know, us you know on a microphone right now and people miss all the time at quarterback what if bryce young was doing what cj stroud is doing would we be making fun of them no it's just the outcome change not the process and Right. right now they have every asset they need to turn this around they just need a better offensive line and one or two decent pass catchers those are so imminently available in the nfl today i know offensive line play isn't what it was in the early 2000s but it's easier to play offensive line right now passing concepts are more sophisticated Uh, linebackers are smaller defensive linemen are slower it's it's not as hard as we make it out to be to play offensive line it's becoming easier as well and the panthers yes they don't have the number one overall pick too bad so many other teams rebuild offensive lines and reconstruct offenses without the first overall pick. They have the trigger man right now. They have Bryce Young.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just, I also just don't think that the story's been written yet. You know, I think it's way too soon to say that that he's a, just a straight up miss. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I don't think that that you can call him a, a bust yet either. So, you know, it's it, like, in, admittedly, it like I said. It's it's all very conceptual and it's hard to conceptualize. Yep. But the talent is there. It always was. Um for him anyways. <laughs> maybe not the rest of the roster, but certainly for him. And they're just there there are players available who are going to uh who are gonna help them, you know, it's it's not gonna be just one Big fix all at once, but you're gonna they're they're gonna find wide receivers, they're gonna find offensive line help, and they're gonna find a coach who can make some sense out of this thing.
1: Yeah, we've seen Baker Mayfield elevated this year. Tua was considered probably a, along a similar path before Mike McDaniel got a hold of him, and so I think we could just be a little bit more patient with Bryce Young and see how this unfolds. I personally sent you an offer john a couple days ago trying to get right from you because i see the dip right now and you were wise to decline
0: yeah i was i was kind of curious like i was uh i wasn't going to uh to make a move until we got a chance to talk about it but then i was like oh we're we're talking about like uh for week 17 um and you know trying to win uh you know, in my case, trying to win a consolation bracket. So, um, and you might have still been playing for something, for all I know. Um, I just know
1: I got I got booted oh, from okay. the playoffs in the first round. <laughs>
0: oh man! And you 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 took my spot in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the sixth best record, but you had the most points scored. Among teams by, that weren't by already hundreds.
1: It wasn't close. Yeah. No, it
0: wasn't it wasn't close. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, I ruined your championship, Run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the thing. We always talk about J Mike in that league, and and like I, I can't wait to kind of dig into to that and you know, his strategy, the flaws in his strategy, our strategy for dealing with um his he hasn't lost in two years. <laughs> Just finished another championship anyways I would have beat him this yeah. year it, it, I don't know if I would have made it to the championship I haven't looked that far into it I kind of don't think so but uh if I had gotten there if I had made the playoffs and i had uh I know I would have won um in the semis so i yeah and I would have beat him I scored the most in the league this this week so And you don't have the second best team, John. This is the
1: thing we've been hammering home the entire season, every episode. It's like, guys, just compete. Be the sixth seed because they win championships all the time. Like even against super teams, just get in the playoffs. Uh, So many people give up way too early and it's unnecessary.
0: Yeah, man. There was nothing elite about my team Mm -hmm. except for the, except for the outcome. Like that's the that's your whole point, you know. Uh, but it was like it was it was Baker Mayfield, and uh, I don't even remember um, Kyler Murray. It was uh, Travis Etienne and Tyler Algier and Khalil Herbert, and it was uh, Jaden Reed. Um, I mean, I think Puka Nakua probably counts as elite of, among my starters, but it was like you know Jaden reed and Jawan johnson that roster that lineup put up the most points in the league Mm -hmm. like that that can happen so you know that this idea that you just have to have the the glossiest sparkliest names possible it's just like man that that loses all the time
1: totally totally and we were talking about this off air. I think this is probably a good time to just reinforce this concept as well. Those players that you started, if you have a super contender, if you've spent the the last two or three years building up a team to get into the playoffs this year, you're not starting Tyler Algier, right? It's just not happening. Right. You're not starting Juwan Johnson because yeah. you have higher ranked players. But we're playing a weekly game in the playoffs, and you would have destroyed, you know, some of the best dynasty fantasy assets out there with a Jawan Johnson. Like that is the whole point is even if you're bad, all that matters is who you're starting in your lineup that week. It doesn't matter what's happening on your bench.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's why I always say that if the roster mix is right, the names don't really matter, Mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, like there are a lot of ways to feel the winning lineup there are a lot of ways to fill that thing out you just have to have the right uh the the ability to make the right choices at the right positions in the positions that deserve you know for for a choice to be made yeah like uh, there were there were way too many ways to outthink yourself um you know think yourself right into a loss at wide receiver this week for instance. You know, okay. yep. um, you know, uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson probably let some people down pretty bad. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're uh, uh, AJ Brown. What the hell happened, AJ Brown? That was crazy. <laughs> like six straight games of 125 yards or more, yeah, and then they're just like, "I right, we got to stop doing that." That's your just... infinity stones got put back in the drawer, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did just collecting dust. <laughs> just...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have rosters with Jefferson, Chase, Brown, Lamb. Like I all all of the good wide receivers. And you just look at your scores, and CD Lamb went absolutely bananas. Good call by you, by the yeah. way. Um, the rest of them were kind of duds, though.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Um CD Lamb probably a sell now that uh now that the season's over. Yeah. Um wide receiver uh one overall. Yeah. Is he going to finish his one overall or is he still going to be I oh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Time to yeah. get out. I figure Tyreek Hill probably finishes his wide receiver one overall in scoring, but it's still uh I mean that makes him a sell as well. And it Mm -hmm. makes Jalen Waddle a buy. Um, I think Devonta Smith is a buy. But yeah, CeeDee Lamb, you know, I don't think he's a must sell. I think he's going to be fine. But I think that his upside, uh, I I mean, he just hit his ceiling and he's not going to do it again.
1: Yeah. The interesting part of that to me is CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver one overall in dynasty value. Dak Prescott, no movement in dynasty value. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> He's anchored where he is. He's tethered. There's a ceiling, an Aegis ceiling or a Cowboys. There's some sort of ceiling there. And it's like, what the hell, everyone? This is the guy who made CeeDee Lamb happen. And it doesn't matter. So if you think that, you know, this is a ceiling outcome next year by Dak Prescott.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they'll. I, I think it probably is probably a, a Cowboys scene more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like they'll, they'll kind of work to, to their conclusion, like make some excuses that help them get to that conclusion. And it'll be the age thing. It'll be, you know, how he started the season. They're going to say that's still in his range of outcomes, you know, single point, uh, single digit scores. Um, you know, that's, that's in his range of outcomes. That's not elite in the same breath though. They're going to defend Lamar Jackson we had to go there at some point <laughs> <laughs> who did the exact same damn thing to start the season just in uh-huh. the the big thing the the big thing with Lamar Jackson is uh the weeks, his week 17 was an absolute monster what he have like a five pass uh yeah five passing touchdowns i believe um just absolutely insane and the and the problem is, people are going to point just to that with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: with Dak Prescott, it's going to be hey, look at how he started the season with Lamar Jackson. It's going to be hey, look at how he ended the season. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, who
1: this is not an NFL comp, this is a fantasy comp. Dak Prescott reminds me of Tom Brady in his uh middle career years. Has the point per game highs, very similar. He ebbs down to QB 14. He comes up to QB three. He goes down to QB nine. He comes up to QB two. I think that is the Dak Prescott experience the rest of the way. Yeah. He's probably not going to play till 45 because nobody does except for Tom Brady. But I think that that is what you're going to get over the next six or seven years if you hold on to him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's valuable, you know, I, 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 in fact, I think that's significantly valuable to just to know, um, kind of how it looks and to say, all right, you know, I've got, I I'm probably going to have to kind of pick my spots with him when he gets on a heater, then you can start him and, and know that his floor is going to balance out. You know, if you're, if you You know, like in Anthony Richardson, when he comes back, possibly Bryce Young, like those guys are going to be ceiling plays for a while. Yeah. um, With with no floor. And you kind of balance that out with somebody like Dak Dak Prescott.
1: Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, John, if you were guaranteed the next seven years of what we just talked about, up and down years, floor of QB 14, ceiling of QB two, um, not going to break fantasy. Like Lamar Jackson possibly could, but a very viable and helpful component of your your fantasy lineup for seven years. Would you trade that for the one hundred and one in superflex this year for Caleb Williams, Drake May?
0: Um, I think it probably de- it depends on roster construction for me. Mm-hmm. Like, do I, do I have some more floor? Do I have some depth? um to where I can kind of take a chance with Caleb Williams because one of the things that we one of the takeaways from this this season and you know back to Bryce Young one of the takeaways really should be and Trevor Lawrence for that matter um you know both of those guys were considered to be generational talents and they haven't been you know yep so uh, like Caleb Williams could Caleb Williams could be amazing he could be awesome. He just as easily could be, you know, kind of one of those guys who frustrates you, at least for a while. So mm-hmm. do you have the ability to take on the risk? Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases, I think the answer probably is no. I think you probably want to stick with the floor.
1: I'm looking at just the um, fantasy pros expert consensus rankings right now. Mm hmm. I think Caleb Williams, if he's the first overall pick, is going to be the QB five at yeah. some point like this non-point scoring season.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I can already hear Sal Stefanelli somewhere yelling about, "Don't draft rookie quarterbacks in the first round of a startup." Yeah, and it, I, yeah. you know, it, and he's he's right. Like, when's the last time that was the right move? You know, Andrew Luck, maybe. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He got there and, and he, he maintained first round value for basically his entire career. So yeah, that one probably is right. Like Joe Burrow kind of, but like, I don't think anyone was doing that. I don't think anyone bought into Joe Burrow the way they've bought into, you know, to, to, trevor lawrence and um you know whether it's bryce young or anthony richardson or um it certainly wasn't cj stroud he was a distant third for most people yeah. um even kyler murray baker mayfield too like both of those guys uh ended up with significant draft capital before they even stepped foot on the field yeah and yeah. didn't didn't earn it <laughs>
1: So, I've got three 101s coming into this non point scoring season. Mm -hmm. Um, Orphan teams that they just didn't have it. I'm pretty strong at quarterback. Um, I think I'm trading away Caleb Williams in March or April. I think I'm just going to do it. I don't think I'm going to take that chance. I think I can either come down to two or three um, and just take the second or third best player, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but I think I'm moving off of that profile, even though it's probably going to be awesome to have him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Like, like I said, if you've got the depth and if you've got, uh, you know, some, some stability, some floor, then you can afford to take a chance at least with Caleb Williams. But Mm -hmm. most people aren't going to be in that situation. (laughs) That's fair.
1: That's fair. One arm down opportunity that I've been really thinking about coming into the off season is at tight end is using other positions to get these older tight ends, Travis, Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews. uh, We're calling them the old guys now because there's this this wave of elite young tight ends. I think I can get two more years out of the old guys and have production that matches um, any and all of the younger tight ends, the um, Dalton Kincaid, um, Trey McBride, Sam Laporta tier of tight end. Mm -hmm. And then I can figure it out in a couple of years because eventually people get tired of holding the same players on their roster. And we've heard this ad nauseum. play in a two year window, right? A two to three year window. The tight end position to me is the perfect opportunity to practice what you preach. Get some of the older guys, at, I mean, what, half the cost, less than half the cost of these younger tight ends match them and use that value elsewhere and buy in, in a few years, when George Kittle falls off a cliff to Dalton Kincaid, because he's the tight end four and the other three elite young tight ends are ahead of him. And so you pay a first and a second at that point.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a really good one. Cause I was sitting here thinking while you were talking about those older guys, I was like, People are going to be pretty freaked out by Travis Kelsey this year. Mm-hmm. This this non-point scoring season, like it it feels mm-hmm. like. I mean, first of all, he has not been the same basically all season long. Yep. Um. He also, I mean, what thirty four years old, which is old for a tight end. Um, and then also has a. St- steady stream of income from having the number one podcast in the the world. So like there's not a whole lot left to keep Travis Kelsey playing. And I think people are going to be pretty concerned about that, but it's almost like, first of all, that that's going to drive down the price enough Mm -hmm. that it's worth it to take a shot with him. And second, who else, like, you know, it, like investing in basically any other tight end, like at the same price point is like could just as easily render nothing like ju- it, it could just as easily be just a a, a wasted, a wasted move, yeah. you know, a wasted draft pick. If that's what you end up spending, like if it's a second round pick, it's like you, you don't necessarily get any anybody like they're going to play they're going to they're not going to retire they're not going to be an nfl play they're going to be an nfl player they'll be on an nfl field that doesn't mean they're going to get anything for you (laughs) yeah travis kelsey could still score just as much of them from his couch there's every bit of a
1: chance though that he does the antonio gates thing the tony gonzalez thing where he plays until he's 37 because a he loves football B he's playing with Patrick freaking Mahomes and C because yeah. he can win a Lombardi trophy every single year he plays. Like they can recreate his role. They can bring it down to a level that is acceptable for him in the current condition that he's at where he's not 27 years old anymore. Like we get it. You're you're aging, but they did the same thing with all these other elite tight ends in the NFL and they played to a much later age than the other respective positions, you know, wide receiver There's only so many Jerry Rices. A lot of wide receivers fall off the cliff at 30 or 31 tight end. There is some ability to be like Jason Witten and be an awful football announcer, leave the booth and then go catch 80 footballs.
0: Yeah, (laughs) very true. That's very true. Uh, So we wanted to talk a little bit before we get out of here. We wanted to talk a little bit about all elite quarterback Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, is that is that officially the name of this strategy?
1: I don't know, man. I, we need somebody who's sharper and wittier than me to name this thing. That way we can stop dancing around defining what it is. Um so super friends, the the very few of you who won your championship or are starved for dynasty content right now and are listening, help me out. <laughs> somebody name <laughs> this for me. The general concept is try to get the top five quarterbacks um, from a performance standpoint, as well as marrying up dynasty value. So it's not necessarily um, the market value dynasty quarterbacks, one through five. It is five quarterbacks you think could finish as the QB one and you sort of stack them up. Um, So I played that in one league and then I built it in another one this season. Um, And about halfway through the season, I had not five, but six quarterbacks. I took it a little bit too far. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're talking about like Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence, because I'm a Jags fan and I thought that it could happen. Um, Talking about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like the very elite tier. And in my leagues um, where, where I was employing this strategy, I found that, my opponents were scoring significantly fewer points um, than my other superflex leagues with the same scoring settings, lineups, like a 26, 28 man lineup, um, excuse me, 28 man bench. Um, and so what I found was by holding all of these quarterbacks, I was causing my opponents at the bottom to give up whether intentionally or not, like they weren't able to keep up with, the points that I was scoring. And so it created a separation in the middle. Typically in leagues, I'll see, I don't know, four or five teams vying for the last two playoff spots. And we weren't seeing that in either of these leagues teams. They just gave up because they weren't willing to invest at running back, which were the only assets that were available because people were trying to beat me at the wide receiver position. I had elite tight ends. And so like, it was just kind of a 15 point per game struggle for anybody at the tight end position. Um, who was any good. And so at quarterback, I just kept holding, you know, the Justin Herberts and Joe Burrows and, you know, they fall off with injury or whatever. Um, But I made it to the championship game in both leagues and I got one first and one second place. And so I am interested in employing this strategy across more leagues. I think that there's something here, super friends. I think that if you can starve out the very top, There is a wins over replacement advantage, a warp advantage that is causing people to give up early and other folks to build their rosters really poorly. Roster construction went out the window. Quarterback trades just didn't happen at all. I was trading away like PJ Walker type assets to my opponents because they literally had zero quarterbacks to start some weeks. And so I kept grinding the waivers um, and picking up a sixth and a seventh and an eighth quarterback and trading the very dredges away while starting Josh Allen and Dak Prescott through the back half of the season. And I think this is something that's repeatable. I think that it's going to be a challenge this offseason. I'm going to ask your help, John, in navigating this because picking the top five or the likeliest top five quarterbacks, yes, that's a repeatable position in terms of performance year over year. But just like we said with Dak Prescott, there are years where he finishes as the QB 14 and the QB two. And so we really have to sort of zoom in on the individual players, which you and I are kind of loath to do because we say that the profiles matter more than the individual names. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to pause there. And I want to hear hear some of your thoughts on employing this type of strategy.
0: Well, and it, 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 probably doesn't have to be the top five, right? Like, yeah. like you said, we're just kind of looking for top five type profiles, yes. um, but you don't have to get this right. And that, I think that's a very important distinction to make is that you don't have to, you, you didn't have to end up with, you know, Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, uh, you know, I guess Tua, CJ Stroud probably
1: Lamar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lamar. Yeah like you didn't have to have that exact mix. It was still probably appropriate to have Pat Mahomes. Um, And, you know, even though like he didn't end up being one of the top five quarterbacks, like, I think that you still check that one off of the list and say, all right, I'm one quarterback closer to this goal that I'm, that I, that I have. Right. So, um, you know, kind of same thing with Joe Burrow, for instance, um, maybe Justin Herbert, that one's going to be a tough one. That one's going to be a tough one to talk through this season or this non point scoring season. Um, just because I like his, his situation is going to get, is going to get a little bit dicey, um, as it, as it honestly should. Yeah. Uh, they've got way too much money wrapped up in older and, uh, older wide receivers with a significant injury history and that part is going to have to change i think um they're also going to fix that defense i would think like that's probably a pretty high priority but anyways yeah like so like kind of starting with because i think that a lot you know a big thing that probably turns people off to this strategy is how daunting it is to get the top five quarterbacks. So, you know, I think that we can start off by making this a little bit more digestible and a little bit more realistic Mm -hmm. by saying it. you don't have to get that part right. Like, you're just looking for, like you said, those profiles.
1: Yeah, and they're accessible. Like, I traded Drake London and DK Metcalf to get into Dak Prescott before he went nuts this year. Did I know he was gonna go crazy? Absolutely not, but he had a really promising schedule. And I remembered a few years ago, um, you know, that he was on pace for 6,000 passing yards and then he broke his ankle. And since then it's been a, a struggle for him. But I saw that ceiling there, I saw the possibility and I knew that wide receivers weren't gonna carry me to a championship by starving out one more quarterback who has that potential to finish as the number one overall it really helped elevate me into a very strong playoff run. I think that that's the opportunities that we need to seek out. We need to be exploring um, because you and I were talking about whether or not Dak Prescott sucked at the midpoint of the season, because he was doing that badly. Yeah, um, He didn't,
0: it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So here's, here's the tough part for me. Um, And I think that there's like, this is, this doesn't have to be a, oh yeah, don't do this. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. This actually like this, it it really kind of depends on um, the perspective and the approach of the rest of your league. And in a lot of cases, I think that you're going to do exactly what you're saying and get a lot of people to shut down. But so I've got two dynasty leagues. Um, I'm going to take a quick second to, sh- to throw this out there. Um, so it's called uh, uh, dynasty warriors, extreme legends um, chapter one and chapter two uh, and chapter two has an orphan. Um, if anybody's interested. So uh, awesome. some pretty unique settings, the big one being we've got a uh, it's, um, we've got 14 active spots um, on, on active roster and then 14 on taxi squad. Everybody's eligible for taxi squad. Um, so you pick 14. It's uh, 10 starters, 9 or 10 starters. I think it's actually 9. Um, but you pick uh, your 14 players who are going to be on active roster, and then it's best ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, your nine best scores to satisfy the starting requirements, essentially. Cool. Um, so, yeah, some other interesting stuff to it. I'm very, very pro-tanking for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, ended up being a pretty fun league. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Chapter 2 has an orphan, and if there's enough interest, I would also start a, a third one. Um, just keep in mind that we we have to use MyFantasyLeague.com. Sleeper just doesn't give you the uh, the capabilities that we need. Um, but anyways, I bring it up because in Chapter 2, uh, one of the top finishers in the league, I haven't looked at, at the scoreboard, so I'm not totally sure who ended up winning, but the team that scored the most points... Uh, throughout the uh, at least through the regular season was doing so with maybe one quarterback (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about in ta6 you know where uh a lot of people are just scared off by this one roster that seems to have cornered the market at a few spots and um seems to have just kind of a a a dominant lineup and it's played out that way he hasn't lost a game in over two years like we know that this is that this is working but you know a big part of what makes it work is the number of people who just say i can't compete with that so i'm not even gonna try
1: yep yep
0: so it, in chapter two if they looked at my roster and said oh he went quarterback extreme He ended up nailing it at every quarterback position, which I don't think is the case, by the way, I did fine, but, uh, I don't think that it was uh, perfect by any means. Um, but you know, if, if somebody, if, if this person had looked at my roster and said, all right, I can't compete at quarterback, so I'm just not even going to try. We would have missed out on, you know, the, the, the best fantasy season in this particular league. Mm Mm-hmm me in a, but instead they said, all right, like, I'm not going to compete at quarterback. There are other ways to get this done. And they ended up having the best team in the league, you know, at least through the regular season. And I don't know for sure. It might've went on to one to win the championship as well. So like there's, there's still that opportunity. And that's kind of true of any strategy. There's that opportunity for somebody to say, all right, I'm just going to do this different. You talked about mm-hmm. this. You know, you yeah. talked about the gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what we're talking about. There's an opportunity for somebody to do that. If you go all elite QB. The The thing about it is it's pretty unlikely that anybody will. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> nobody does. I did an investigation. I looked <laughs> through a hundred leagues. Nobody is doing this. Like literally nobody else is doing this that I could yeah. find a hundred leagues. And it makes a lot of sense. The reason that I'm adopting this strategy is because the repeatability factor, right? Like I feel more confident that if I have Joe Burrow, that three years from now he will have pretty solid value. Like he will probably be in the top 12 of quarterbacks stuff happens. I get it. Um, We just can't really say that. If you look back at the top wide receivers of a few years ago, um, what's Mike Evans worth right now? (laughs) You know, he was probably a second round startup pick a few years ago, third round, something like that. He's not there now. Um, some of those quarterbacks though, that you are drafting in that range, they certainly are. And you've, you've gotten production along the way, pretty reliable production. One, one qualm I do have, um, with employing this type of a strategy in a best ball league is you capture Jake Browning experiences in best ball. Um, and so I would be less inclined to roster the top five quarterbacks in a best ball setting. Um, I would probably be more of a QBX player where I'm, I'm just trying to get as many starts as I can um, that fit with the rest of my roster construction. And I, I love the concept of only having one quarterback in that league. I think that it's bold. I think it's interesting, compelling, I would guess if you put it in a spreadsheet, it would look really different than all of the other teams. And there would be scoring advantages. What you're trying to do is you're trying to take away potential points from your league mates or score more points. Like that's all you're trying to do in this game. A lot of people focus on scoring the most points. And I think that's a very valuable undertaking. But looking at the other side of the coin is also incredibly
0: empowering as well. See, I think it's disrespectful personally. (laughs) The fact that. He's beating in, in a league I created your league he's beating <laughs> me without any quarterbacks and my, <laughs> my beating my QBX strategy with zero quarterbacks, maybe one, one quarterback uh, at a time, but like going the exact opposite of QBX. It's one thing to do that to me in somebody else's league. This is my league. I created <laughs> this thing. I dreamed this up. You're a guest. I'm the yeah. host. This is my house. He's a he's an octopus in a pond of barracudas. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and he's got us all in a stranglehold.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, So yeah, no, it 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 is. It's it's really interesting. Um, The other thing that about all elite quarterback that I really like, um, and you know, to me this also, in a way, uh, also kind of. Um, it's it's a strength of the portfolio strategy. i know that i'm i'm gonna kind of misinterpret the strategy a little bit by making this point um, this is not what they're trying to do, but uh with both portfolio and with all elite quarterback, you have a, a very definitive um, blueprint that you're trying to to hit like qBx yeah. admittedly is still pretty abstract. we're saying, you know, you need five quarterbacks, it doesn't matter which five. And for a lot of people, it's like, well, I mean, like, is it okay for me to have, you know, a bunch of like Aiden O'Connell and Drew Locke type guys? Like, is that quarterback extreme? And, you know, I see a lot of rosters um, that, that that they claim to be QBX. And it's like, man, that's all backups, though. That's mm-hmm. not First of all, that's not what we're going for. But even if you get five starting quarterbacks, like we're saying, it doesn't matter what five they are. And you're saying, actually, the way to go is to, uh, you know, to to shrink the universe of quarterbacks that you're looking at down to, you know, probably around eight guys. And you're trying to get five of them, essentially. Yeah, Like, that's a much easier process to follow because it's not so abstract it's not as much of a a, of an ambiguous target it's just here are the guys that i want Mm -hmm. and i'm going to spend the entire non-point scoring season trying to accumulate those guys
1: well when you get them not only does it pull away from your opponents but it amplifies your quarterbacks even further and so Mm. i was scoring about 170 points per game um, in both of my leagues and just for context, the average in this league, um, in this format, was around 145. And so I wasn't just beating people with this strategy. I was so amplified beyond what my opponents were doing, um, because yes, I was. I was still trying to hit at wide receiver, running back, tight end. Like I was still trying to do those things, but my focus could almost be exclusively on those things because I had so cornered the market at quarterback where I was able to very confidently get 25 points per game out of my QB1 and 22 points per game out of my QB2. And I didn't have to live with the ebbs and flows of bad matchups by having Jalen Hurts, who is probably the most reputable quarterback in the NFL this year in fantasy. It didn't matter because I could choose opportunities where other elite quarterbacks had better matchups and actually start somebody over Jalen Hurts. Who can say that they can do that? Almost nobody. And I was doing that while my opponent's QB one was, you know, Tua, who's a very good quarterback, but I was picking the creme de la creme out of, I mean, just a ridiculous number of quarterbacks. Having that amplification effect is entirely
0: underrated. In my opinion, my, my warp went through the roof. It was nuts. For sure. It also just kind of gave you, I I assume anyways, just, kind of outsider's perspective because i haven't tried this but i assume that it once you got there it also gave you the flexibility at wide receiver and running back you don't have to get that right nearly as much when you know quarterback is right yeah and that's that's kind of what quarterback extreme sets out to accomplish um it's just a little bit more difficult when you don't know for sure what you've got at quarterback you know and and it you know it does kind of require you to uh to get it right on a weekly basis like in mm-hmm. season you still have to pick the right guys because it's not a it's not a hot hand type of thing it's not a set it and forget it thing by any means it's not meant to be that you've got guys who you can bench uh in you know there's 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 pros and cons to that the like the pro is you you can give yourself more uh more scoring upside by playing matchups at quarterback the downside is i mean decision fatigue um kicking yourself when you do get it wrong things like that where with your top five quarterbacks it's like even if i don't get it right like i'm still getting it right (laughs)
1: like i'll be
0: you know, I'm I'm still going to – maybe I don't unlock quite as much upside, but I give myself all the scoring I could possibly need at quarterback and super flex, and it also makes up for any deficiencies at those other positions. Yeah. So when you do set out to look for wide receivers and running backs, um, you know, first of all, yeah, like you said, you get to put your focus entirely on that. You're not trying to figure out quarterback simultaneously which there's a huge benefit to that. But then you also don't have to get it quite as right as most people do at those other positions.
1: Yeah. And I think this is something that's going to, this has a shelf life. It certainly feels that way to me. Once you do this, um, (laughs) the quarterback market kind of freezes and people are going to draft rookie quarterbacks and it will backfill. Um, And I'm going to get some of these quarterbacks wrong. Like, I'm I'm thinking end game here and trying to figure out what the next move is beyond this. Eventually, I'm going to flood the market back with these um, and just create something that is more liquid. I don't know if it's going to be draft picks or just the true elite profiles. Um, let's say Sam Laporta turns into Travis Kelsey. It's a good opportunity to move one of these quarterbacks into Sam Laporta. And then, yes, I'm taking some of the points off my bench and putting it back in my starting lineup. But with every strategy, I mean, there there is no silver bullet. This is just one that I think could use a little bit more integration into your dynasty leagues because, like I said, look through 100 and nobody else is doing it. If you can give it a shot, it's worth a try.
0: Yeah, I wonder if at some point we kind of need to engineer a component into this where you can kind of take some shots with – um you know low probability high upside type of guys so like uh, uh you know a, a a big flaw with this is that you most likely missed on CJ Stroud and now you have to try and get him at early first round startup value where you know if if you had the opportunity to take some shots um you know it, in, in the rookie draft, um, and you had some, you know, some, some room on your roster for, for him, you know, in some places you would have had Bryce young, you would have missed and, you know, now you've got what, you know, whatever you do with him in some places you would have had Anthony Richardson. You would have kind of started to hit until the injuries just ruined his season And in some places you would have ended up with CJ Stroud. And now all of a sudden, I mean, maybe you've got six elite quarterbacks Mm -hmm. um, and you've got one of the guys who's legitimately in the top five. That kind of, now you've got more trade ammo. You've got this locked down longer, like all the benefits, because we have the same benefits in dynasty that the NFL does when they get it right with a rookie quarterback, it opens up all kinds of possibilities. We, got, we have that same thing. Get it right yeah. with CJ Stroud. You have a lot more flexibility across your roster. So that, that might be the one piece that I think is currently missing mm-hmm. is just the ability to take some swings, you know? Totally.
1: W- what my hope is, whoever drafted CJ Stroud, I'm actually not going to try to buy from them. I'm going to try to feed them contending pieces. I want to create... A handful of elite teams, so that even more people are inclined to drop out of contention. Um, so when an opponent hits, I want to help them on their um, contending mm. path. I want I want to push them, nudge them toward it, so that I'm defining which contending pieces that they get, and I can use that gravity concept and, and counter it. Give them things that push them toward a more limited window, um, to an all in window, uh, if, if possible, but really just to give them pieces that aren't as good as mine. Um, you know, so let them have a
0: Darren Waller, but keep
1: the George Kittle, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: that's that. Yeah. That's pretty interesting too. Um, yeah. Uh, Not many people think about, like you know the overall landscape of the league and how do i it, like the the goal is it, for most people is always just to win trades to improve your own roster and and the trade offers that most people are getting in their dynasty leagues reflects this like you're trying to get something from me without giving up anything you know mm-hmm. not nearly enough people think about like you know how does this, how would this help me if, you know, if, if this team was a little bit better, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and they good, right? Yeah.
1: Like you're not the only team that is going to be good. Other teams will win in head to head matchups. Like having the ability to choose who is good is really, really powerful.
0: Yeah. We're probably losing some people on this though, just because we are saying like, yeah, create, create yourself a worthy opponent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I get that. (laughs) I've run into stuff like that a lot over the years where I'm talking about like, oh yeah, you, you know, you want a more complete roster. You want to be making decisions that, uh, at various positions and, you know, to a lot of times it's better to have that than to just have the elite lineup. And people are like, you're telling me you would rather have Keenan Allen than Jamar chase. I'm I'm out. (laughs) I'm like, it's not exactly what I'm saying, but you know, if like, yeah, if, if I've got to have a roster that's, you know, that's complete top to bottom, but Keenan Allen is one of my options at wide receiver, or I can have a roster that's that has Jamar chase, but is entirely dependent on Jamar chase. Yeah. Give me Keenan Allen Mm -hmm. and give me the, uh, the ability to replace Keenan Allen when he gets hurt. (laughs) Like, yeah, that, that is what I'm saying, but yeah, people, people hear that. And
1: yeah, it's the problem with, you know, having an hour to explain a concept or even just a few minutes, like, you could say, paint me a brown box that could represent an outhouse or a steakhouse, like very different things, right? Both brown yeah. boxes. So that that's why we need more. Ask me Anything"s. I think this off season is to get
0: called out on our bullshit
1: or just to clarify something that maybe doesn't make a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. I love those anyways. It's, it, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a great way for us to, uh, to, to meet people where they're at. Because yep. we're all kind of dealing with things in a different way. Even if you're using QBX, even if you're using all elite QB, there's a good chance that it looks very different for you in your particular league than it does for us. So, yeah. you know, here we are speaking anecdotally like this is this is what I've noticed using this strategy and things like that. But, uh, you know, you're probably having very different experiences based on your league. And in fact, I mean, it's probably, uh, it, it gets hostile. (laughs) I mean, we, we both know that. Um, and it's, I, I imagine it's a little bit different when, uh, it's when you're not playing with somebody who like has heard you talking on a podcast about this strategy, they know you're going to do it. Total. And they, when they see you do it, they're just like, what the hell is this? What is, <laughs> what is this guy's problem? <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> is, this a, is this a terrorist attack or what? So <laughs> when,
1: you, when you act outside the norm in a 12 team league, it is, it's, it's staggering sometimes it's, it's offensive sometimes. And they think that it's a personal attack on, on the league mates or the people. It's just like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to do something a little different here, guys. Like, I get it. I took all your quarterbacks or like, whatever, like I, this isn't meant to be offensive to you. The human being,
0: John, like <laughs>
1: you yeah. just really wanted all the quarterbacks.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, in a lot of cases, I didn't even know you exist much less yeah. like pick you, pick you out and decide, you know what? I am going to fuck this guy's day. up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that is, that is not even close to a, That's not a feature of QBX. (laughs) (laughs) They think it is, but it's not.
1: Um, I gotta say though, man, like it is so fun to be in the off season again, the non-point scoring season again with you. Um, I want to have a closing thought though, if that's okay.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Everything that I am recommending these different strategies, these roster moves, yes rookies eventually um i want to frame this through the lens of i want you to win i want you to understand like everything we're doing is for championship weekend of 2024 this is why we're making these moves i am not the type of person that's going to tell you to kick this out to another year of a rebuild i'm going to try to help you win championships That is my goal, and so if you're wondering why my advice is running maybe counter to John's or to Twitter consensus in the non-point scoring season, like we all have different goals. My goal is to score enough points to win a championship. I am not going to try to help you get Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb because they're fun names. I'm going to try to help you get as many points in your starting lineup as possible.
0: I could not have... Have come up with a better way to wrap up the show uh, for this episode than that, so uh, I'm not even going to try. We're just going to wrap it up right there. Uh, like we were talking about, though, we love the ask me anything stuff. We love talking about you know kind of the specifics of your league and your situation and your experience. So we'd love to hear from you. You can always uh, you can DM him at ff Tommy B. I'm at Superflex Dude. Um, you can also just t- t- tweet at us, post at us. How do you how do you say it now that it's not a tweet? how Somehow you like whatever it is that you type out at Superflex Dude at FF Tommy B and ask whatever question or share whatever thought, whatever the hell that's called nowadays in Elon Musk world. Do that. <laughs> do that. I I also have a I have a Discord that we should probably start building up um, because I do hate Twitter X so much. Um, X Twitter, whatever. I, I I would love, I'm looking forward to the day where we don't have to deal with that anymore. So <laughs> yeah, we might start pumping out the Discord here before too long. Uh, but let's wrap this one up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick for a quick favor if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family and Podcast make a and get access to all the great podcasts from dynasty And once you've subscribed to the super show, if you do us a huge favor, rate and review the show. That's another great way for us to get some AMA type of thoughts and questions because we involve more people in the conversation, more people know to, uh, to come you know share their thoughts and share their questions and then we bring them here on the podcast and maybe we're answering a a question that you had as well so really helps us to get out to more people and drill down to the very specific topics that are the most useful to you our super friends you can get at us on x on twitter there's also a discord we'll talk more about that later this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.